Welcome back to Podcast 31. It's good to be with my father once again. As we are looking at, I'll just give the intro just to start us right off, uh, Podcast 31, Jesus Heals a Leper, The Danger of Placing Emotions Mm -hmm. Above God's Word. And this is from Matthew 8, Mark 1, and Luke 5. And today, we're going to be just talking about the dangers of people who get overzealous for God, mm-hmm. and then disobey his very word, trying to please him, Right, as this man, this leper, will do. Uh, Jesus is going to heal a dying man, but he's going to give him a strict command. Do not tell anyone mm-hmm. except the priest. Mm-hmm. However, this man's emotions will get the best of him, and he will disobey the Lord and bring lots of trouble to Jesus' ministry. Yeah. So this parallels with so many people today whose emotions dictate their actions Mm. and hurts the Lord's ministry Mm -hmm. because they disregard his commands. So I made a short list of commands to the church today that many people ignore Mm -hmm. uh, because they value their emotions and culture over God's word. Uh, For instance, we know all foods are clean. We, We can eat all foods, yet there are many Christians who say, you can't eat this, you can't eat that. Or they have certain restrictions with uh, what days to worship and so forth. Mm. Um, We see in Scripture, to the church, divorced men cannot be pastors. Yet you'll see men who are divorced being pastors. Um, We're told to pray for the good of leaders in the government we might not like. Mm -hmm. You think of Paul saying that under Caesar. (laughs) We think, uh, if you think our president may be immoral, imagine living under Caesar. Mm. Um, But we pray for the good of them, that they rule wisely, that they'll follow God's lead, um, that there'll be conviction. Um, We don't just pray they all drop dead. (laughs) It's not uh, a prayer like that. Um, We're warned not to welcome false teachers into our houses or even greet them. And how often do Christians just ignore that command because they would seem unloving or unkind? We're given the command by Paul in Scripture that women cannot be pastors over men. Mm-hmm. But how many people just throw that out based on emotions and culture? Culture. And as we could look at that passage, it goes pre-culture. It goes Adam and Eve. Right. So um, the list goes on of issues that are directly addressed to the church, and yet people make excuses and ignore God's word. Let me toss in the two. Yeah. Yeah, long, yeah, long hair for men. First yeah. um, Corinthians 11 is not a shame. Or men have long hair, and you you watch people getting appointed to key leadership roles mm. in churches as if it doesn't exist, mm. and nothing is said about it. It's actually we accept it because it's cool. And I'm mm. going, well, cool might not be biblical. And the other is eating. I remember being in El Salvador, and we visited a Christian church, ten thousand people there, <laughs> but they had all this Jewish symbolism up. And in other words, they had the adopted law. a lot of the law and dietary restrictions. Mm. And Paul says, you know, these things have all been cleansed uh, by God and are are able for us to eat. So your list is good, and I'm sure we could have a lot more added. I can think of professors in Bible college, you know, with all the long hair. And it's like, I don't think they're in Nazarite. (laughs) You know, I don't don't think they've taken the vow. That's right. But uh, once again, and I I think especially in our culture, Mm -hmm. um, I think that command was timeless. But when we look at the culture, it's a real thing. Men need to look like men and women like women. More than ever, right? And mm-hmm. how much more so. My wife yeah. and I were talking about that with our boys. We want them to be manly. Yes. We want our girls to be feminine. Because right. we're coming up in a time where let's just blend everything, exactly. go against God's will. 
So today we're going to see the danger of ignoring God's commands mm. for the sake of feelings. Mm-hmm. So I am a pastor, Kenny Burge Jr., associate pastor at Colmander Bible Church, and creator of Theology for Everyday Life for Kids. Hope to be making some more videos soon, and right. also for, I want to make some adult videos uh, addressing a couple things, but you know how it is with time. I do. You know, time, <laughs> our, our focus is on family, you know, our direct family, making yeah. sure I take care of my kids, uh, spiritually provide for them, and then the church. Right. And uh, if, if. I'm not doing those two things well. I don't have time then to go and do all the other stuff. So uh, priorities. But uh, yeah, and I'm joined by my father, Dr. Ken Bird Sr., a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary, author of the Fire Series, senior pastor at Coleman Manor Bible Church, and the head of his own foundation. Exactly. So a lot of of good stuff. Thank you. Um, Anything you want to say before we jump into this passage? Great topic. Necessary. For us to cover this, we'll have broad applications. Uh-huh. So, looking forward to getting into details. Okay, so let's get to it. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, this is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So, let's just keep that in mind. We're going to look at the different accounts. So, Jesus has just finished a Sermon on the Mount. We finally got through it. Yes. <laughs> Took us a while, but, <laughs> but I think it's a great resource for people. Exactly. Uh, it appears that Jesus goes into one of the towns at the foot of the mountain and meets a leper. So, we'll get into leprosy in a minute. It's a horrible disease. It is. Simply horrible. Uh, right away, a man with leprosy came up and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Mm-hmm. So, Luke added that the man had leprosy all over his body. We see that the term leprosy can mean many different skin diseases. Yeah. But when it's all over your body, you're going to die. It seems like this man had a death sentence mm-hmm. from this sickness. So just imagine if you've known anyone, maybe you even have cancer, uh, you can understand the desperation, uh, the sadness that you realize your time is brief. That's this man. And there are two full chapters on leprosy in mm-hmm. Leviticus. It's not always a fun read. <laughs> no, it's not. Every year when we get there, right? It's like, okay, it's not a are. fun read, I'll be right. honest. Yeah. You know, this year, I'm reading uh, the New Testament one time each month, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of glad that I get a little break, <laughs> right? because I'm teaching a couple of the Old Testament books, so I'm still obviously reading that, but uh, I'm kind of glad to get a break from all the law and stuff, because sometimes it's just like, whew, mm-hmm. some, it's, some, it's a lot of in- interesting information. Yes. We'll put it that way. So, uh, the definition of leprosy was broad, so it's any skin disease, Mm -hmm. and the person with a skin disease would go to a priest, and the priest's job was to determine how serious the sickness was. So, in Leviticus 13, imagine if you have this sickness, and I I just want our listeners to step back Mm -hmm. and imagine we've been through the pandemic, we've been through all of that. So, imagine if you find yourself with this disease, and this is now your life. Mm. You know, I was thinking about, could I imagine if I had this disease and I had to have to leave my wife, my children, right. my family, my my context church family, mm-hmm. and live in a camp with other dying people? I mean, that sounds awful, but that was these people's reality. So, in Leviticus 13, it tells us the person who has a case of serious skin disease mm-hmm. is to have his clothes torn and his hair hanging loose and he must cover his mouth and cry out, unclean, unclean. Mm. He will remain unclean as long as he has the disease. 
He is unclean. He must live alone in a place outside the camp. So just what a horrible existence that would be. Horrible. A little background on leprosy. Perhaps what we have known as leprosy in the modern era might have fallen under the category of this leprosy, which seems much broader. Mm. G.A. Hansen was Mm. the one in the 1870s who discovered, identified the organism leading to leprosy. So in 1960, Mm. they renamed it to Hansen's disease to kind of take away the stigma. Mm. Uh, But it seems like what is going on in the Bible is broader. And Mm. perhaps what we know today as leprosy was under the umbrella of that. But you hit the nail on the head. It was a death sentence. Mm. You you know the story of Naaman, and uh, here word gets out that there is a healer in Israel. So what does the king of Syria do? Uh, he writes <laughs> to the king story. of Israel, and he says, "Hey, I'm sending you my commander. Uh, he has leprosy. Heal him." And I and and I am almost trying to envision the king of Israel getting this letter. And this is what he says in Second Kings five seven: "Am I God to kill?" and to make alive that he is sending this <laughs> leper to me. But it was a death sentence. Yeah. And so when Jesus deals with this, um, you start to understand even better who he oh. is. Oh. Yeah. I mean, that would be like the president of China sending a letter to our president yeah. saying, here's one of my main officials, you heal him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was something you cannot heal. And you're like, okay, he's trying to start war. Hey, that's you know, exactly that, what, that's he, had what thought. he thought. Yeah. So yeah. he has this... We see the laws for those with leprosy. Now, Leviticus 14 Mm -hmm. gives commands on what to do if you were healed from this disease. And it's kind of long, so I just sum it up. Um, This is the law concerning the person afflicted with the skin disease on the day of his cleaning or Mm -hmm. cleansing. He is to be brought to the priest. We'll go outside the camp and examine him if the skin disease has disappeared from the afflicted person. And then he says... The one who is to be cleansed must wash his clothes. We're glad about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Shave off all his hair and bathe with water. He is clean. Afterwards, he may enter the camp, but he must remain outside his tent for seven days. And then just goes on more washings. Mm -hmm. And here's an interesting fact. Uh, I'm sure you know the answer, but do you know how many Jewish men in the Old Testament were healed from leprosy? Zero. Right. Not one man, not that I could find. um, So, unless there's some book out there I haven't read or haven't studied well, um, there is not one single Jewish man Mm. who was healed in the Old Testament with leprosy. Uh, The only Jew ever healed in the Old Testament of this disease was Moses' sister Miriam. That's right. Now, we do see, obviously, Moses did that thing where he stuck his hand in and brought it out, but I mean, that. I don't think that would count as healing <laughs> exactly. him. So, but there's no records in the Old Testament of a man being cleansed of leprosy. So that just kind of gives you an idea. Exactly. That kind of is setting the stage for this historic event. So this desperate man comes to Jesus and says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, I don't blame this man at all. He's dying. That's right. <laughs> if, I, if I was like that, I would, I would go yeah. right to Jesus and say, hey, can you save my life? Um, so don't blame the man for seeking a healing. And I think that's one thing we have to be clear in the new Testament. Many people came to Jesus to be healed. Mm -hmm. And I think the problem was they were so focused on healing and they didn't want him to be Messiah. So that's more the issue. But 
Jesus takes compassion on people who are hurting. And apparently this guy <clears throat> gets who Jesus yeah. is. He addresses him as Lord, mm-hmm. can mean sir. Most yeah. likely in his context, if you're coming to someone with something yeah. that's never been taken away from a Jewish man mm-hmm. and say, and please heal me, uh, you get some idea. He knows who Jesus yeah. is. When John the Baptist is incarcerated, he's a little depressed. He knows who Jesus is, but then he he sends his disciples <laughs> yeah. to say, hey, is this is Jesus really the Messiah? Yeah. And what does Jesus respond? He goes, you go tell John. I'm the one who, and one of the things he mentions, he heals lepers. So at least a man goes to the right place and his only hope. So don't condemn him for that. Yes. Oh, he's going to react. Exactly. Is his problem. Yeah. So uh, uh, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So reaching out his hand, Mm -hmm. Jesus touched him saying, I am willing to be made clean. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Wow. No one ever touches a leper. Right. Uh, I, I it was a couple weeks ago. Remember, it was communion at church, mm-hmm. and uh, we've been doing at communion that you walk up and mm-hmm. and you take it. I know churches all do it different. Right, and great. Um, pastor does not put it on her tongue, thankfully. <laughs> but we we have the elements there, yeah. and you walk up and you take one, and then you go back to your seat. Yeah. So, uh. I remember there was a, it was a child. I think right before, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right before you yeah. uh, you prayed for the elements. Yeah, you gotta really pray. Um, I, this kid and it was and I you know you feel bad for the kid, but yeah. hacking their lungs out and it yeah. was bad sounding. And everyone you could kind of just feel that tension. Everyone's yes. like, I hope that person doesn't get it before me, exactly, uh, because they don't want to catch that. But especially now with COVID, I think. People mm-hmm. are very exactly concerned so, about mm-hmm. things, some more sure. than others. But with that being said, imagine someone who, if you touch them, their disease could jump on you in a very That's real uh, yeah. sense and kill mm-hmm. you. Yeah. So Jesus, however, he touches the man, which would have made him unclean, except that he removes the sickness. Mm-hmm. And this shows his authority over death, exactly. sickness, decay, and the curse. So yeah. it's, a, it's a precursor to the... Uh, Millennial kingdom, I think. It just shows, I'm king. I can do what I want. Exactly. Then Jesus told him, see that you don't tell anyone, Mm -hmm. but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded. Now, these are key words, as a testimony to them. Yeah. This is um, Jesus's calling card, but it's to the priest. (laughs) And that's where it was, as you yeah. had uh, brought us to Leviticus 13 and 14, as it should be. Mm. The priest mm-hmm. would have been notified, and that should have gotten word out. And it's the very community that seemed to be shunning Jesus at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm amazed because this guy is disobedient, and he goes and he tells everybody, and yet we're commanded to tell everybody, and other times we're we'll quiet. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So Jesus knew this man would be very excited. Yeah. <laughs> So it kind of reminds me of speaking to a child. Uh, mm-hmm. You just kind of like slow down, don't waste any time telling anyone. Right. Go tell the priest. That's right. He'll examine you and bring the sacrifices which are required. And just as a side note, the law required two birds on the first day: wood, yarn, and hyssop. So that was required by the law. And then on the eighth day, two male lambs. That's quite a sacrifice. A one-year-old, a female lamb, flour, and oil. 
Thanks so, for not quizzing me on that. <clears> I know. <throat> yeah. I'll look that up because I want to know that. <laughs> Besides following the law, the question is, did Jesus have any other motives? And as you hinted or said, yes. Uh, Jesus told the first recorded Jewish man in scripture mm-hmm. to be healed of this disease and go present yourself to the priest. Now, when this happened, there should have been so much excitement mm-hmm. in the temple there should have been so much excitement within the Levites and priests that someone had healed a dying man that maybe this could be the Messiah. So basically, Jesus is saying, here's my calling card. <laughs> you go tell the priest, and then maybe they'll come back to me, mm-hmm. investigate who I am. Mm-hmm. However, Scripture never mentions that the man obeys. Right. We don't know if he ever went there. It's silent it's on the fact. Uh, in fact, this miracle would cause Jesus more difficulties because the man would disobey Jesus' command to be silent. This man is a classic example of someone who is zealous for the Lord, yet d- disobeys direct commands. Yes. So my simple advice, don't be this guy. Don't be this guy, yeah. <laughs> All right, so that was Matthew. Now, we'll come over to Mark's account and mm-hmm. learn some more details. We'll see how Jesus always obeyed the Father's word whereas this man did not. Mm -hmm. Mark does not write about the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plain, so he briefly just says, Jesus had a ministry in Galilee. Mm -hmm. The more I read Mark, the way I sum it up, it's like a short action movie Mm -hmm. for the Romans who don't want all the information. Exactly right. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) They're kind of like, Matthew's like, okay, to my Jewish brethren, I'm going to give very detailed accounts, lots of dialogue. Mark is like, Let's just cut to the action. Don't make a short story yeah. long. Yeah. So, verse, yeah. so verse 39 just talks about his ministry in Galilee. So verse 40 picks up with the events that happened after Jesus' sermon when he enters one of the towns. Then a man with leprosy came to him on his knees, begged him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he told him, be made clean. Now, Jesus was moved with pity for this man. Jesus had compassion. Mm-hmm. Now, we see from John and other of the Gospels that Jesus always did his Father's will. So, he said he did nothing in his own authority. So, it's not like Jesus is like, okay, I feel like I'll heal you, so I'll heal you. This was according to his Father's will, his Father's desire. So, we have to remember the goodness of God Mm. as Jesus is doing these miracles. Sometimes we just look at the man Jesus, uh, who is God, obviously, but say he was just so compassionate, but he's reflecting the Father. He's the Son of God. No. So the son of means you have the characteristic mm. of God. I and the father are one. Mm. And it and it comes out here. And just picking up briefly on the whole idea of compassion and being made clean. Uh, if we're very transparent, not all Christians have a desire to reach all people. Mm. Oftentimes, uh, we're very monoethic in the sense, ethnic, excuse me, that we're trying to reach people just like us because we really don't want to rub shoulders with people not like us. And then you go back and you see Peter, and the Lord gives him a vision. The animals come down, rise, Peter, kill and eat, you know, and I've never uh, eaten anything unclean. And then when Peter has the encounter with Cornelius, this is uh, Acts chapter 10, 24 to 28, which is so interesting to me. What is it Peter says to this Gentile that he'd never come in contact with in any circumstance? God has shown me not to call anyone uh, common, and the, but he also uses the word unclean. Mm-hmm. Jesus touched a man that no one wanted to have anything to do uh, with, and we really have to search our hearts to make sure 
that we have the desire to make disciples not of some, but all nations. Yeah. And I just see there's still, among Christians, I don't know if I would say racism to the degree that they hate the people, mm-hmm. but I see prejudice. Yeah. That's, where I they put them down. Yeah. Or they think, well, they're you know they're kind of like this, so you know, just where they make themselves judges over the people. So I think that's a very important point for people to think about. Mm-hmm. So immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Mark's favorite word, immediately. <laughs> so I want to draw people's attention how when Jesus does a miracle, it just happens. No this, miracle dome? Uh, yeah, yeah, no miracle dome. Uh, there was the tight one, you know, he touched a man's eyes and yeah. touched it twice, but all in all, he, he just spoke or touched him and it was done, which is so different than modern day charlatans who need mood music, build up emotions. The person, people are never healed immediately. They always start to feel a little better than, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so he did not broadcast his miracle, but told the man to be quiet. He does the opposite of many of us today. And I do want to just comment quickly. Yeah. We really have to look at the Bible as a progressive revelation. Yes. Because in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, Paul gives a list of gifts that edify. First apostle, mm-hmm. second prophet, third teachers. I believe we're into the teacher categories since the apostles and prophets laid the foundation of the church. But then in verse 28, he talks about miracles, uh, from the root dunam, which means ability. And then he also talks about gifts of healings. But by the time you get to the book of Hebrews in chapter two, the writer says, hey, the Lord brought salvation. How do we know him and his apostles were authentic? They did these signs and wonders and healings, but they were confirmed. And the writer uses a past tense verb. In other words, by about AD 70, those miraculous sign gifts were done and there was no longer a need for them. So we have to be careful that although we want to be like Jesus, we're not Jesus. And if people were like him, it's like, come on, let's go on down to the children's hospital. We'll walk through that cancer ward, show me your stuff. And nobody ever does. And uh, I just, I see too with people, it's all about the show, you know, it's their power. And it's just sad because if it was just a spiritual gift, we'd see it all the time. Exactly. But I was challenging someone with this. We looked at Paul, and Paul, he left people sick all over the place. Yeah. (laughs) And he was an apostle. He had the power to heal early on, but later in his writings, I had to leave so-and-so here sick, or this person is sick. And it's like, if you can heal people, you're an awful person because- You're not healing this faithful person. And there's even Timothy with yeah. the stomach disorder. You're yeah, exactly why, right. Why didn't Paul just come and touch him and, yeah. and heal him, or yeah. Tim, Timothy could go to him. So yeah, you're right. Um, Good observation. We see that the sign gifts have passed. I say the same with tongues. Yeah, um, it said tongues would cease. I, I actually have a video on that. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you want to prove to me that tongues are real, just show me that you've never studied a known language, because every time it's used in the book of Acts, it's known languages. It's not some gibberish. And speak in known languages so that the gospel can go out. (laughs) And if I could see that, if I could see people, and remember, it's a gift. It's a gift as common as giving or a gift as common as teaching. And we don't see it today. Uh, And actually, the founders of the modern Pentecostal movement I'd say they had faith because they sent out missionaries. Mm-hmm. 
who had never studied the language and what happened, they couldn't communicate with anyone. They're speaking gibberish and all the native people are like, what are they saying? They're crazy. So, you know, if I wish I had to gift of tongues, I wish I could go and speak Spanish or French or whatever and just yeah. not study and give the gospel, but I can't. And I don't see any evidence of that today. And actually, in history, even the church fathers didn't see any. Exactly. I think yeah. there was one like in the 1600s that was a nudist camp that yeah. practiced tongues. And then it came up in like the Pentecostal movement. But side fact, but mm-hmm. don't be trying to do all this stuff because <laughs> yeah. he was God. He is God. Yeah. It, it was his ability. There's no apostles today. Yeah, uh, The church was built upon the apostles. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's sad what people believe just out of ignorance. Exactly. So study the word. Study, study, study. Um, 43, verse 43. Then he sternly warned him and sent him away at once, telling mm-hmm. him, see, what you, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priests and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing, a testimony to them. So once again, it's a testimony to the priest that he is Messiah. Exactly. But this man could not keep his mouth shut. And I wrote here, Jesus wants obedient disciples, not famous loudmouths. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of famous loudmouths who are not obedient. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're, uh, I was talking to some of the men at church, and I call them uh, Christian click, uh, click clowns mm-hmm. that all on social media, all they want is to get that click. Yeah. But their videos are clownish. So mm-hmm. we have to be careful not to do that. Yet he went out and began to proclaim it widely. So it's not like he just kind of mm-hmm. let it slip to his wife or something. Sure. He spread it widely and spread the news with the results. And this is the sad part, that Jesus mm-hmm. could no longer enter a town openly, but he was out in deserted places and they came to him from everywhere. Mm-hmm. So Jesus' command was simple. See that you say nothing to anyone. However, this man was disobedient. He went out and told everyone. Mm-hmm. Was the result, Jesus could no longer go into a town, but in deserted places. So this man's sin, because it was a dis- disobeyed God, uh, impacted Jesus's ministry. And my question for our listeners is, does your sin of disobeying God's word impact your local ministry, your local town? Are you embracing doctrines that are not taught? Are you in a culture that embraces things that go directly against scripture? So Jesus now goes hiding in the boondocks, thanks to this man's misplaced zeal. It limited the Son of God's ministry and why disobedience. And if we could only get that God just wants our obedience, it's it's not interest in sacrifice. He just wants, he wanted wanted Saul uh, to just be obedient. And and that's what he wants from us today. And it's necessary in order to God's blessing upon us. So obedience, obedience, obedience. Yeah. So here's a question we should ask. Why did Jesus tell the man not to tell others? Mm-hmm. I think that's a very good question. Great question. You hear about like the secret Messiah, you hear all these theories. But really, Jesus just wanted to focus on his teaching ministry, pointing people to the kingdom of God and his father. Right. Yeah. He was not focused on physical healings. You have to remember if, if you're out there saying, I am the son of God, and prophecy said that you would heal people, then obviously you have to heal people. He did, yeah. Uh, just to show, hey, I'm not some crazy guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Uh, This flies in the face of many Christian ministries today that desire fame and notoriety from people. Mm. And there's a lot of that. A lot of people are in ministry just for fame. Our ministries and lives should be focused as Jesus's life. We should ask, 
what's God's will for my life and ministry and carry it out. Mm-hmm. So um, really quick, this is a, a, a smaller account right here, Luke's account, mm-hmm. and you might learn a little bit. It kind of mirrors Mark, but I just want to read it real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, while he was in one of the towns, a man was there who had leprosy all over him. He saw Jesus, fell face down, and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean, and immediately the leprosy left him. Mm. Then he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. But the news about him spread even more, and large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. Mm. So we see how that impacted him. Exactly. Now, before we get to our employment, is there anything you want to share? With us, no, let's just jump right into employment. No, I think we uh, have uh. thoroughly covered all the accounts, which uh. I appreciate how you, you, when you put these notes together, cover all the accounts. So, because each account builds and adds a detail or two, little nuances, but they're yeah. very helpful. So, uh, my, my first employment point I had is Jesus had compassion on a hurting sinner. So, Jesus showed his mercy and grace by healing the sick man. Jesus revealed the kindness of God and healed him, even though he knew this man would hinder his ministry. So question I should ask myself, do I show compassion to sinners, even though their actions might hurt me? (laughs) I think that's a fair question. Are we willing to go? People might hate our message, people might hate us, or they might hurt us in the long run, but do we still go and show the love of God? Mercy and compassion Mm -hmm. are huge. To the Lord. I mean, as we just had finished a sermon in a mount, mm-hmm. blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. James actually says in uh, chapter two that if you don't extend mercy to people mm-hmm. in judgment, then you're going to have the same standard applied mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. So we find all the time Jesus, his mercy, his compassion moved him mm-hmm. to do so many things because he reflected the heart of God. Yeah. So. And then a thought, do I only show kindness and compassion to people who I find worthy, or do I have the mind of Christ that showers the love of God on undeserving souls, such as this man? <laughs> and then uh, the second employment point, because um, we always look, what does the text say? How can we build upon that? And what's timeless truth? Sure. This man put his own feelings above God's word. Mm. Jesus had come to earth to teach men about the Father and to offer Israel the kingdom of God and redeem mankind. Mm -hmm. However, once this sick man was healed, good, he disobeyed God's direct command, which is bad, because Mm -hmm. he desired others to know about the miracle. Mm -hmm. But notice it doesn't really care what the guy's motive was. He was Mm -hmm. wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, Always obedience is what Christ wants from us. This one man's disobedience caused Jesus to evade cities because people desired a physical healer more than a spiritual king. So question, uh, am I... Am I a help or a hindrance to the spiritual kingdom of God by my actions and thought? Do I find myself disobeying God's word, even though I feel like I'm doing the right thing? Do I put my feelings above God's word? I think a lot of people have good motives, Mm -hmm. but there's direct commands given to us by God that in some cases we might say, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But we, we do it because it's God's command, because he knows what's best. He knew that if this man went telling everybody, because he knows the future, that it would hinder his ministry, then that's what the man did. I think perhaps in the history of mankind, and this might seem to be a pretty broad statement, 
But I don't think people's emotions have ever been as damaged as they are now, just because no. the accessibility that oh, they definitely. have to everything on media. I, you know, people watch these spook shows. I'm going, I'd be hiding out of my <laughs> closet for a month. Yeah. But so many things that they view, the music they listen to, everything is so emotionally driven and their emotions are screwy, yeah. uh, to be frankly honest. But at the same time, uh, you have a will. And God has given you free will to choose what is right. And when I'm counseling and working with people who say about your emotions, I say your emotions can never tell you what to do. You still have to go and do what is right. And this man let his emotions lead, and that will always get you into trouble, whereby we are called to just obey, to obey. And when we just put our obedience as a priority— then the emotions will line up. But if we get that backward, we're, we're in trouble. And I find generally people who don't put as much into the Word of God, when they both put yeah. as much study, mo- as much focus, and I'm not talking about other books, philosophy, mm-hmm. I'm talking the Word of God. Right. If you don't have anything to say in the pulpit, you're going to hoop and holler and yeah. do all this craziness because you didn't take the time to actually learn something to communicate. And I see that with so many churches. It's like, if you would actually take what the pastor is saying, you could probably sum it up in about 30 to 40 seconds Mm -hmm. and throw out all that other nonsense. Yeah, Yeah, you know, the organ going, people screaming, jumping, doing all types of foolishness. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important for us as Christians to ask ourselves, first of all, is it all about emotions and my feelings? Mm -hmm. Or is it doing what, God wants us to do. Uh, I was reading uh, that one book you sent me by Bing, mm-hmm. and uh, it was an excellent point. He says because he was talking about discipleship, mm-hmm. and it was when you uh, take up your your cross, and basically when you're putting Christ first as a disciple, that includes putting down your own dreams, be it good or bad. And I was like, that's that's a good point. We often look at the negative mm-hmm. that we give up, but do we have desires? That could be good, but that we give up because God has a better way for us. Because I think this man's motives were probably pretty good. Yeah. I want to tell everyone about Jesus. <laughs> but what if you're the man who Jesus says, no, don't do that, you know, in this context? Exactly. So He who loses his life yeah. will find it. And this man allowed his emotion to rule. He, he chose his own life in his own way over God's. And you find that God wants us to have, and and people miss this often, here and now, an abundant life. Jesus said that they might have life and more abundantly. When you lose your life, what do you do? Find it. Just a life? No, an abundant life. And if this man would have been obedient, then so many more things would have benefited Jesus, where he didn't have to be in isolation, but also this man's life so God could do more with but him But abundance doesn't line up with the American dream. <laughs> it no, it doesn't. Because yeah. people redefine that as abundance. I have cars. I have, yeah. you know, it's like, no, it's spiritual blessing. It's joy and peace. Exactly. Um, it's much different than that. So uh, let's wrap this up. That was podcast 31. Uh, Jesus heals a leper, the danger of placing emotions above God's word from Matthew 8, Mark 1, and Luke 5. Um we have a minute or two. Do you want to share anything you're doing with ministry or life or anything? Because I think people always like to get little oh, updates on what we're doing. I appreciate that. You know, uh, last year uh, we started the uh, foundation. You're the vice uh, president. 
And we were a lot of money. I make zero. (laughs) (laughs) Again, we take nothing in. We, we, we are not salaried in any which way, shape or form, but just looking at what God had done, but thinking about this whole idea, one of the things we really do is we make disciples of all the nations. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're getting materials out to uh, places where frankly, a lot of people wouldn't want to associate or rub shoulders with those people if they really had a choice. Our ministry reflects, I really think, the heart of God yeah. that the Jew and the Gentile are one. And when we're go- reaching places in Africa, and we have, I think, three or four target zones coming up, places in the Philippines and India, and, and doing those things, it's just obedience. Yeah. And I think God honors that. But it's been awesome uh, looking at people in some remote place in Peru or whatever, holding up a devotion book and for 365 days in Spanish, now they have the text. And then Ephesians will be a big one. We've just uh, completed and will be coming out in May, uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians on fire. And, um, and as a plug, we have that on YouTube where yes. you can watch. We're still in the process of recording, but some have yep. been posted. Uh, pastor, go through every verse in Ephesians. Yeah. Uh, preaching and giving commentary. so And that's our church manual that we huh. want to get just everywhere around uh, the world. So uh, please click like when you see our video. <laughs> yeah. Subscribe if you have not yet subscribed. Huh. Take a look uh, at what we're doing ministerially. Pastor Kenny is just doing the most awesome job uh, training youth, but it's just some of his materials. I, I just wish everybody would see them and see what we're doing and pray how you can support us to make disciples of all nations, please. So uh, I agree with everything you're saying there. So um, I'm glad everything's going so well. And on my end, it's the same. It's been a busy season, just a lot going on. I preached on Sunday uh, and I I taught on Matthew 10. Mm -hmm. And in that sermon, uh, the whole idea is Jesus is sending out the 12 apostles and we looked at principles we can learn from that on discipleship, because obviously we're not the apostles. So I want to be careful with context. And we saw some just apply to them. You know, mm-hmm. you can only bring this, that, or the other thing. But then we looked at uh, the timeless principles about how we'll face persecution, taking our cross, denying yourself. And it was interesting looking at people's faces, because a lot of times when people hear passages such as... Uh, you must uh, take up your cross and all to follow me. That's mm-hmm. not about salvation. That's right. simply discipleship. Right. Um, Very good. If you are taking faith alone, it's amazing with grace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> salvation is a gift of grace. Mm-hmm. You can't, once you add works to it, it's not grace. That's right. And a lot of people say, well, you accept this gift of grace, but then you have to go and produce fruit. And it's like, no, 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 that's sanctification. That's, that's totally different. Exactly. If you put your honest faith in God's gift, you are saved. Mm. And then also, I, I was teaching about uh, you know hating your family when it says about that. It just means putting God above your family, and that that's discipleship. That's not salvation, or it's works based. Yeah. And so it was a good time, and uh, things are going well with the family here. Good. So uh, been it's fun having kids. They're a lot of fun <laughs> and so, grandkids. Uh, yeah, they're they're a yeah. lot of work, but it's that's a right. lot of fun. So um, every day. Uh, Vera, she's my eldest, and she's she's a daddy's girl, so she always wants to come to my office with me. So it depends what kind of work I'm doing. So I was doing, I was making a Bible lesson for the preteens, so I let her come in, and she brought in her little cup of coffee and just sat there and worked with me. <laughs> I saw the pictures; adorable. <laughs> and she will sit there 
Um, because I, I clocked my time. I, I I think I did eleven hours yesterday, and she must have sat there with me. Probably just took one bathroom break or two because of the coffee. Her and she probably sat with me about three, three four hours. Wow! So it's awesome because I can show her how I do the Bible study. I mean, sure. she's four, so it's it's very limited. <laughs> But then I also showed her, you know, how to do Photoshop to make the graphics. And so well, it was a special time. That's good. So I, I try to do that with my girls and the boys. So. All right. Uh, that's enough for this podcast. So podcast 31. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us.